All right, here we go now with Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. Okay, we've been talking a lot of crime here in the first hour yeah. of the show, especially that really interesting letter that came out from the 13, 13 largest cities in BC, the mayors there, pleading for help, saying, you know, we've got repeat, chronic repeat and offenders in our cities. These are mayors that cut across party lines, cut across ideological lines. Uh, these are not conservative mayors. So we're talking Kennedy Stewart, Mayor of Vancouver. Lisa Helps is the co-chair here right. in Victoria, probably the most left-wing council left wing, in, the, in the province. Left-wing mayors signatories and to it's this. It's interesting that they are reporting an increase in, in crime, violent crime, and particularly concerned, uh, and this was dealt with at length in question period yesterday, of the number of offenders who just are facing no consequences. They get, they, they, I think there's one fellow here in Victoria, more than 240 police files on this guy for various types of crime, not a single charge, uh, no detention. <laughs> How does that happen? And that's what they're asking. It was interesting to hear David Eby yesterday. He's not, he's met with the mayors. He's, he's, uh, he's corresponded with them. And what he noted yesterday is that there's been a, a change in the, in the pattern of crime where in the pandemic where uh, fewer people are going downtown to work, but there's more crime downtown. There's more B and E's. There's more, there's more violent crime. And a lot of it is associated with mental health and addiction problems. That's the reality of uh, of the situation so it's uh this is occurring at a time when you've got mental health challenges but also i found it interesting that the patterns of crime have have changed in the pandemic there's less residential crime but more downtown crime okay let's have a listen to david eby on these points here he spoke this morning to simi sarah and here he is speaking about this this, this crime here the police uh, will tell you they they know many of these offenders by name uh, and so we're working within two frameworks. One is the federal criminal law framework, and, and uh, the court and the federal government have been clear that prison is not going to be an answer. It's not available for people struggling with serious mental health and addiction issues. We have a decision out of the Supreme Court of Canada that, uh, that frankly, they're just not going to go to jail the way that they used to under this federal system. And yeah, okay. so he's referring to these are federal guidelines as a result of the Supreme Court decision that uh, jail is not an option in many of these instances, which is why you s have so many repeat offenders. There's mental health issues attached to this. This fellow, uh, again, in Victoria here, uh, is fighting uh, mental health challenges, addiction challenges, and as a result is continuing to commit crime but not going to jail. So what is the answer to that? I mean, not you sure. have people who are being arrested, released, they reoffend, rinse and repeat in this endless cycle. Like mm -hmm. people, some, sometimes people being picked up day after day after day. Yep. For crime, well, ZB says the, the police know them everyone by first name. Right, uh, there's the and you walk through the downtown core of Victoria. Uh, I see the same people uh, for years now on the street. Uh, yeah. Almost, I don't know them by name, but I know them to look at, and some of them actually wave and, and <laughs> say hi. But they've been struggling on the streets for years, and I know, you just have to know that they probably are engaged in some petty crime. What's alarming is we see we've documented this on Global many times. Is a video footage of random physical assaults from people. Yeah. I know people close to me who have been physically assaulted on the street of Vancouver completely randomly uh, by strangers who obviously are, are fighting mental health issues. So, again, some people suggest that we should re-institutionalize a lot of people uh, rather than de-institutionalize, but, again, that's a debate that's ongoing. Yeah, the other side of that are critics who say that, well, actually, crime stats overall are down. EB said that yesterday yeah. in the legislature. It's a pattern. 
the, the Vancouver Police Department are exaggerating crime. They're fear-mongering. This is what the SFU prof told me on the show yesterday. But he also and acknowledged also, he, wants to un, he wants to defund the police. Well, that's what he wants. He says defund the police and spend the money on social services instead. The problem is, though, and, and I just spoke to Steve Addison about this from the VPD, a lot of these calls are mental illness calls or they're drug overdose calls. A lot of those calls involve violence or threats of violence or threats to public safety. So it's not like you can send a social worker down there with a clip board to deal with it exactly and, and you know oftentimes a lot of times it's social workers and mental health workers uh who are calling the cops to say we need help come and help us exactly and that's uh, that's the problem with the defund police uh, approach is oh. if you you cannot thrust social workers who are not properly trained into harm's way okay and let's that's, that's involves harm in a lot of these instances let's talk about the vancouver colchena by-election mm. we're down to the wire Only here a few days to go it's this saturday so the new liberal leader kevin falcon running for a seat in the legislature this is a safe liberal seat appears to be he's got a pretty good ndp candidate running against him yep. who's, who's run very hard uh, jeanette ash and here is falcon yesterday on the jazz joe hall show i'll get your thoughts i think there's just a growing sense that the government just has not got a handle on getting any of these uh, affordability issues under control. Totally misdiagnosed the problem from the outset. They tried to blame it all on foreigners. Keep in mind, for the last two years we've had COVID, there has been virtually no foreign buyers in our real estate market. And in spite of that, prices continue to go up. Okay, so talking about our unaffordable housing prices. Yeah, there. so I did a piece of a couple of weeks, a few weeks ago, that the affordability, affordability issue can go away from being an advantage to the NDP to now being a bit of an albatross because they are now the government. Having said that, I'm not sure voters are going to necessarily ascribe that the Liberals are the answer to affordability. I think the memories are pretty fresh of their record on that. Having said that, as you mentioned, Colchena, um, eight straight elections since it was created, very easy Liberal romps in terms of winning. Uh, also a by-election, I think it was 95, where Gordon Campbell entered the House through a Vancouver Colchena by-election. Art Cowie stepped down uh, to pave way for him. So traditionally and historically, a very affluent riding and a very strong BC Liberal riding. So if Kevin Falcon loses on Saturday, that will be a tremendous upset. Yeah. But we'll see what happens. Okay. I expect Falcon to win on Saturday. I think he's, he's has a very, he has a good campaign team in place there. You're going on a limb, eh? I'm going to go way, crazy, I'm gonna go way out crazy in the limb talk here. show host. I know. So let's say, let's assume he does win. What kind of leader of the opposition will he be? I mean, we just saw uh, John Horgan, the premier this week, loses cool during question period mm -hmm. and drop an F-bomb there in the House for which he had to apologize. You got Falcon coming in, taking his seat in the legislature if he wins this by-election on Saturday. What kind of matchup is that in your mind? Oh, I think it's a it's a step, big step up uh, for the Liberals uh, over uh, Andrew Wilkinson. Now, I have to go out of my way. I think Shirley Bond's done a very good job as yep. leader between Wilkinson and Falcon, and she's done a very credible job, a very effective job in the House and outside the House. So not to take anything away from Shirley. Um, but Falcon's also, he's a brash, aggressive right. communicator, yep. and that's going to be reflected in uh, the, the exchanges with uh, John Horgan. Yeah, do you think we could see more F-bombs flying? No. If he gets under Horgan's skin? No, I, I, see I mean... the angry John come out again? Uh, we, we could, we could, but I talked to Horgan in the hallway yesterday. I mean, I think this, he realized this is sort of a, hopefully a one-off event, but I think <laughs> there's going to be some spirited clashes uh, yeah. between Horgan and Falcon in the house and not yeah. just between 
Falcon and Horgan, I think you're going to see other ministers step to the fore here. I think there's going to be a sort of a, an energy um, boost in the legislature. Well, I actually detect the liberals kind of kicking it up a notch even before they got a new leader in place here. I mean, yesterday was a good example of they went after the government. They on are crime. finding their way as an opposition party. And yeah. the pandemic, as the pandemic fades from view, yeah. even though we're still in it, People are not talking about COVID all the time now. They're not talking about everything associated with COVID. And other issues are rising to the fore. So healthcare, doctor shortages, uh, clinics closing, uh, crime on the downtown streets. These are the issues people are now starting to talk about, and that's being talked about in the legislature. Okay, speaking of the pandemic, let's listen to Dr. Anthony Fauci, the medical health officer there in the United States. And here he is talking about the pandemic. Is it over? Have a listen to this. We are certainly right now out of the pandemic phase Namely, we don't have 900,000 new infections a day and tens and tens and tens of thousands of hospitalizations and thousands of deaths. I don't believe, and I've, and I've spoken about this widely, we're not going to eradicate this virus. Anthony Fauci speaking yesterday. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that? Well, he, he pointed out we're not going to eradicate the virus. That was actually said by Dr. Bonnie Henry almost in the first briefing we got on this. This is the nature of the coronavirus. It doesn't disappear but you have to uh, mitigate it and learn to turn learn to live with it in safe and more safer reasons. He talked about cases going down. I get a new I get a daily briefing from the New York Times, my the daily coronavirus yeah. tracker. They point out for the last two days the number of cases have actually gone up in the mm. United States. Mm. Now, uh, hospitalizations are not going up, which is again the case number is not as important as the hospitalization and ICU numbers and deaths. And those seem to be either stable or going down and that's good news. We're going to get our update in BC tomorrow. Expect hospitalizations to continue to slightly increase, but the magic number for ICU, I think, was about 38 people in ICU last week. Let's see how many are are in ICU tomorrow. I suspect it's going to be about the same or a little lower or a little higher. Speaking about Horgan's F-bomb in the legislature this week, the speaker of the legislature yesterday chastising MLAs, getting unruly there in the House. Here's what Speaker Raj Chohan had to say. Yesterday, the level of decorum in this house declined to a level that has not been seen in the current parliament. I was astounded I, I, to, to actually see a, a sitting premier of British Columbia uh, who was so agitated by what were very relevant, uh, uh, current, important questions uh, to resort to using an F-bomb was frankly completely unbecoming of the office that he holds. As liberal MLA Todd Stone there at the end uh, going after Horgan on, on the F-bomb. Like you said, I think it's blown over. Hey, some people thought actually they liked Horgan even more. I've had more people that. say it, it, it was basically acting like they act in, in the face <laughs> of being yelled at. So I don't think it really does Horgan much problem. It was great to hear Raj Shahan, though. It, he had a funny line at the end. He said, I love you all, but don't make me send you to your rooms. Okay. So it was, and, okay, and as a result, yesterday's question period was much quieter, it was. much better, much more respectful. Than the previous day, which really got it ahead. Okay, phone me on that if you like. 604-280-9898, star 9898, toll free on your cell. Ron in New West. Hi, Ron, go ahead. Yeah, hello, Mike. Um, yeah, just touching, going back to the uh, the crime, we keep on hearing from judges and from other people that, uh, you know, these people who are being arrested on a, you know, a repeat basis, well, they don't belong in jail. They're drug addicts. They're this, they're that. Um, the thing is, if they don't belong in jails, we then need to build somewhere else where we can put them. We have to get them off the street. We can build maybe some rehab facilities, but they have to be secure rehab facilities where, uh, for, put it this way, you get a guy that, we just had a guy that the police say he's had over 500 
um, arrests mm-hmm. or you yeah. know uh, charges, and right. um, someone like that's not going to change. So he's a danger when he's on the street. He's a danger to other people and to himself. The other thing is, organized criminals are taking advantage of these type of people, and they're the ones who are buying the goods that they shoplift and they steal. So when they come before a judge, the judge has to give them a choice. Here, we're going to give you two years in regular jail, or we're going to send you to a rehab jail. You choose. Okay. Thank, thank well, you. Well, that's the debate. I mean, how far do you go to institutionalizing uh, people again? And it's also interesting, these 13 mayors are uh, philosophically diverse, but also geographically diverse. We're talking mayors. We're not just talking about Vancouver and Surrey here. This is Victoria, Nanaimo, Prince George, Kamloops, and much of Metro Vancouver. Uh, just like the opioid crisis is everywhere, uh, we had a caller last week saying that downtown Eastside. No, the opioid crisis is in every single town in British Columbia. And now you're seeing the mayors in many towns right across the province saying they they all share the same concerns when it comes to this catch-and-release approach when it comes to offenders, particularly uh, in the downtown cores. Well, you remember when they closed Riverview Hospital mm-hmm. and the the public perception at that time was that these large institutions were obsolete that people were being abused that people were not being mm-hmm. uh treated properly and we're going to shut them down people will remember you know the movie one flew over the cuckoo's nest it had people thinking about this kind of thing so there was a lot of support for shutting down mental institutions the problem is they didn't put in adequate supports to help people once they're out exactly and now they're so, continuing to start funding rehab beds and such. But it was interesting, the caller made the distinction between it being a voluntary rehab facility and a enforced rehab facility. And we'll see yes, where that goes. Yes. 604-280-9898 is the number to call. Star 9898 on your cell. Dave and Burnaby. Hi, Dave. Go ahead. How are you doing, Mike? Uh, thanks for having me on. Sure. Uh, about this John Horgan F-bomb. Um I can't. I wouldn't be able to identify who it was uh, that said, "I'm so embarrassed. I'm so shocked. I'm so upset at that type of language." Yet you have no problem watching uh, uh, these movies at home that are full of f bombs, s bombs, every other type of bomb. It's it's passion that has driven him to do that, and that's okay, what I okay. like to see. I would like to see that. You know, go ahead, throw pencils at each other, get the damn <laughs> dang thing settled well, it'd be interesting to have a question period where there's no language that's deemed to be unparlamentary <laughs> and we'll see where that would go that'd be, that'd be a little entertaining but you know color is a good point um if he had said this 20 years ago i think it would have been a bigger deal than now this does like seem, the fu- like the fuddle duddle we played yesterday yeah, i mean uh, Trudeau. It, people are i think far used to this type of language than than 20 years yeah ago. but you know just because you hear f bombs, well, it doesn't excuse it. But it, it doesn't you know? excuse it, but it doesn't have the impact that it once had. That's true. You know? I mean, it was kind of a one day social media one day wonder story. Social media also changes so many things. Uh, there's so much stuff on social media that you just would not uh, have in in a place like a parliament. It, it goes by. Gerald in Lake Cowichan. Gerald, you got thirty seconds here. Uh, car eighty seven in Vancouver. Double the number. Train other officers in uh, designated vehicles to respond along with those cars who are trained in um, mental health problems. They're there for backup. One car for each half of the city with backup to follow in case things get violent. Thank you, Gerald.
Well, I'm not sure one car on one half of Vancouver would make that much. But you know, you talk to the the more resources and training, but the police don't want to be the ones to become mental health experts. The police are also not opposed to more social services spending. No, you know, they're the first ones asking for it. The the counterpoint to to defund the police is keep the police budgets intact, if not increase them, but then increase the amount of money on social services. Thanks, Keith. Talk to you tomorrow. All right, that's Keith Ball.